coming to you from the pit in Royal Grande, California. Your hosts, John Hackleman and Dr. James Casper. It's time for Pitmaster and the Doc. Hey guys, Pitmaster here. I'm here with the Doc. John, good to see you, man. And we're psyched. Let me tell you why. A couple reasons. Number one, this is my 22nd cup of coffee today. Sounds like it. Yeah. (laughs) Number two, I don't want to admit this, and I'm ashamed of this here, but I do have a, I'm not going to call it a dummy. I have another Facebook and, and, and Twitter account, which is completely separate from me or my name, and I do it just to like... I'm so ashamed of this. I do it just to go off on like political shit. So I do like political rants. I argue with people. And people always say, oh, you're such an angry person. You know how happy this makes me? You see, you saw me when I, you came in? Yeah, he was giggling. This makes me <laughs> I so... I almost recorded you. He talks into his phone, telling it, you know, tech, talking it, so it types it for him, but... He's just giggling, talking into his phone. I do this Siri, it's, it's and I don't proofread, <laughs> so it usually comes out pretty legibly. Sometimes it doesn't. I don't give a fuck. This is my, my dummy account. Uh, but it makes me, it's like, to me, it's like catharsis. It's cathartic. It's like therapy. It's like therapy. It makes me feel good, guys. Twitter, Twitter therapy. Twitter and Facebook therapy. It makes me feel good. But my passion on the other side isn't the, the politics. It's martial arts. And boy, do we have some great martial arts to talk about uh, today. I was in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia this weekend for the UFC, and it was a fantastic week. I mean, let me What's just say, Vancouver like right now? It must be nice. It's raining, and it was terrible. Oh, really? Terrible, terrible. The weather. I mean, it was all right. It's not like it's freezing or anything, but... It's a really, I, I heard from some of the people there, it's a pretty rainy town. They, they said they have like two really good months of the year. When are they? Um, like June and July or July and August. I forget. You Something in the summer. Missed, you probably just missed it. I did just miss it. And I got some, we were, it was raining and we were like, the, the big mall was right across the street from our hotel. So we spent a lot of time. They had a lot of stuff in that mall. We went back and forth there a lot. Uh, we ended up hanging out with other people on the team. I'm going to talk about that in a sec. But Vancouver itself, I I don't know. I love uh, Canada. I wouldn't want to live there because a lot of it's politics and rules. But guess what? Okay, here's one you didn't know. You always hear about their gun control, right? There's more guns in Canada per capita than the United States. Really? Yeah. I remember seeing a documentary where they would go across the to Canada and everyone left their doors unlocked and then they go across the they go across to wherever in the United States and it was crime ridden uh, and everyone had guns and there was all this gun crime. Um, I think it was a Michael Moore movie. Anyway. I think I think I think a lot of those kind of skewed demographics and skewed um, stats are because of the um, a lot of it is the immigration. I mean, we get a lot of bad people in here we just kind of like come on in in canada they don't if you've had like a dui a lot of times you can't get in you have to have like 20 years ago you know 
if you if you're late on your child support payments, you don't get in. I mean, they're very very strict in their immigration, uh, a lot stricter than we are. So, to talk about crime over there versus here, it's skewed. Plus, they're not they're not right like, bumped up to to a a border where people are trying to come in. A lot of people, you know, with lower demographics and you know, kind of. I'm not gonna say they're all criminals, but their people getting into their border versus ours, it's a huge difference. Plus, they don't let people in like we do. So their crime rate is probably a lot lower, but there's a lot more reasons than just the guns, right? So they have more guns per capita. I didn't know that. They have so, more guns well, per capita. I don't know. How's the city walking around? I guess you didn't walk around the city much. Nah, we didn't that much because it was raining, but we did a little bit. Um, it's really nice. Uh People are really friendly there. I mean, like, super friendly. I mean, it seems like everywhere we went, like, I asked a waitress, like, hey, where's, uh, we're asking where uh, uh, um, a store was. And so instead of just, like, saying, well, it's over that way, go, she, like, looked it up on her phone, got the directions, wrote, wrote them out for us, you know, and they gave it to us. I mean, so it's like, uh, it's, it's a different kind of friendly there. They're, like, really friendly. And um, so it was really fun being there. And, uh, I do like Canada. Check this fact out. If you have a gun in Canada and you want to go shooting at the range, first of all, to have a gun, you have to have a license. And it's not a piece of paper. It's a license. It looks, it's a, it's a plastic, like a credit card license with your picture. And it has to say what gun you have. You're never allowed to carry one. In fact, nobody is allowed to, even off-duty cops aren't allowed to carry guns. Interesting. So, but if you want to go to the range, you have to call your local police department, tell them that you're going to be carrying a gun, tell them what, what your car is and your license number, and then give them the route that you're going to be going to this range to shoot your gun. And then you have to do the same thing when you're at the range before you come back. So what do people have guns for there for home, hunting. Pro home protection or hunting? I, I'm sure there's a lot of home protection, but... The re most people in Canada, it's just, it's much, there's much more hunting there. And they said that most people that have a gun have 10. And they're mostly hunting rifles. I don't think there's as many handguns as here per capita. I'm not sure about that. But I think from what I heard, or from what I understood when I was talking to this cop, um, almost all the guns in Canada are, are for hunting. So that it was makes, interesting. That makes interesting. Sense. Yeah. So that was interesting. Um, Vancouver is, is, like I said, isn't my favorite city, but it's, it's really nice. And it seems like it's really well kept and clean. Um, what was the best part of Vancouver outside of the fights? The mall. The mall. That was a cool <laughs> mall. And, like, the day of the fight, the day of the fight, it was raining. Like, and Glover wanted to go hang out in the mall for a little while. So it's across the street. It's it's a bit of a walk. It wasn't like miles, but it wasn't like I mean it's a big block and you. So it's a lot of walking. But Glover loves to like hang out the day of his fight and and kind of relax. But um, Cowboy Cerrone was there with his baby and the stroller, and they were going over all over the mall buying stuff at Lululemon. Like my wife, there's a Lululemon there. My wife bought me some pants. But it was a great mall. I mean, it's huge. So that part was called, uh, what was it called? I forget what it was called. It's, it's, it was a little suburb of, uh, 
of um, of Vancouver. But you know, beautiful, beautiful country, man. It's just, it's a, it's a great country. And I prove my point again. Every time I go to Canada, every time I go to Canada, we have fifty states. A lot of us can name them all. Okay, some of us can, but we know there's fifty states. Nobody ever says. It's either 48 or 52 or, you know, they, everybody knows there's 50 states. I've never gone to Canada. In the past, like, five times I've gone to Canada. I, I purposely ask at least two or three people how many, I bet you don't know how many province, provinces you have. And every single one of them always goes, oh, shit, uh, I don't know, nine? And then his friend will go, no, there's 13. None of what's is now a territory. And then the other guy goes, no, there's 11. We got the, we got the Northern Territory over there. And now we got Nova Scotia. Nobody knows how many. A province is like our states. Nobody in Canada knows how many. Pro, there's between 9 and 13, not 50 or 10,000 or whatever. 9 and 13. Nobody knows. No Canadian can tell you without a doubt how many provinces there is. Do you it's know? It's funny as shit. No, because nobody knows. <laughs> so you don't know it's, if they're right or not. No, no but <laughs> nobody's right. There's between 9 and 13, and that's all we know. So it's it's a mystery. Sounds and there's like, like, I think there's four territories, which is would be like D.C., Washington, D.C. But anyway. All right. Anyway, you were there for some fights. I know you saw one of them. Because Glover was fighting. And you know, Glover's fighting, and I was just happy when it gets to the end of round one. I'm like, oh good, we'll get to see John in the corner. Telling him what to do. They cut to commercial. Well, what? so it goes to round three, so it's a, oh, they're, they're making it to round three. They go to the corner again. Nope, they cut to commercial. They did come back for like, I think you were for like ten seconds of you telling him what to do. What was I telling him? I don't know. It was it was like they they cut it off. They didn't, you know, a lot of fights, they go to the corner and they want to see what's going Let on. Let me just say, I'm going to ring my own bell for a sec. I was really happy while he was walking out when I watched it later. Um, the announcer said, you know, Glover's making a comeback. I mean, doing great now. Uh, you know, he's sitting, you know, he's doing really good. And, and they think uh, um, they think a big part of that is because I'm back in his corner. Because I was in his corner for a few, few fights for a lot of reasons. Um, but I am now. And people, he's been, you know, he's won every fight I've been in his corner since I've been back. I'm not saying that's why, but that announcer did. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Cool. Another thing is I ran into Dan Hardy. I was so, uh, I was so blessed, you know. I'm, I'm so blessed that I get all these great guys. And I was really, uh, I, I see this, you know, he's a legend, Dan Hardy. Not only UFC contender, but also one of the best uh commentators fighters turned commentators ever and he like he comes up to me and wants to take a picture of me and i'm like all right i take his picture next thing i know it's on his face is is uh his instagram and it's like man i love these martial artists so humble so gracious and uh when i'm around these it's like when i'm right now when i'm at my gym right now and I, I feel so safe. I feel so good. I'm around my martial artists. You know, in the classes I'm teaching, I always feel like I'm at home because I'm around all these martial artists. At the UFC, you're around like all these martial artists. I feel so good. So it was. It so was a so great did week. you get any insight? I, I did read recently that he was eyeing a comeback. He hasn't yeah. fought since 2012. He's wanting to come back, and they're looking for an opponent. 
Do you know how old he is? I'll look it up. I'm going to go out of limb. I'm just going to say 38. I'll say 38 right now. I'm guessing. Completely guessing. But he he wants to come back and fight. Did you guys talk about that? Yeah, a little bit. Um, 37. Oh, shit. Was I was 38 is what I said, and I have no clue. I had no clue. I've never looked it up. I had no idea. He I said 30. fought for seven years. Yeah. Um, you know what he said to me? And, 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 and he give just us, Give us the scoop. I just, he just said, I said, why, bro? Why don't you just fucking commentate? You're doing such a great job. You know, you just, you, you don't have anything to prove. You know, why don't you just stay with that? And he made the, the, the only reason that you can have at this point in his life or anybody, I think this, you know, come back to fight is, he just says, it's right here. Is still in his heart, and he has to he has to get it out, and I, I, you can't argue with that. It's like well, you, the only time you can argue with it is you watch Muhammad Ali, and he wants to fight, and he's not Muhammad Ali, and it's in his heart, but he looks terrible. Yeah, not that Dan Hardy does, but no, right. But, but there is a time when I think there fighters is. want to fight, and they shouldn't be fighting. Right. Yeah, which I think you know, I think you agree with that. Yeah, and I, I but not he's thirty seven, man. He's still he's still younger he's than still fighting he, age. He's still younger than a lot of the fighters out there that are competitive right now. Yeah, if if there's it's a danger to yourself, then I I would I would say no, you know whether it's my call or not, who knows? I would say no. Um, like when Chuck first retired, I said no. We both said no. If I said no and he really wanted to, um then that we'd have a problem. But if I wasn't like dead set on no and he said, well, I really want to try it again and I want to try a couple more, I might say okay. Um, but it depends, you know. So I think with Dan Hardy, uh, I think, you know, I don't think there's any indication that he was, you know, he was, it's going to be dangerous for him any more than any other fighter. So I say if it's in your heart, you have to do it. If it's not... You know, unless you're going to make a lot of money, if it's not in your heart anymore, but you're going to make a lot of money, then I say you got to leave it up to that guy. Don't judge that guy because how many of you out there would turn down, say, a million dollars for 15 minutes work? Not many. So you can never judge someone for doing something for money because all these people that judge would do the same thing. Yeah, I agree. I think the 15-minute work thing is misleading because... You look at anything, even though it only takes 15 minutes in the ring, it could be a lifetime of preparing and sacrificing. No, but yeah, but you're saying that one fight, somebody has a fight, and they're going to offer a million dollars. All he's doing is 15 minutes of work for that for a million dollars. And training to get ready for if it. If he trains, he's still going to make the million dollars. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So that's that's my point is, you know, people judge a lot about, oh, he's just doing, you know, he's just doing. If you say he's just doing it for the money, what the fuck do you do when you go to work? If you're like just a regular, have a regular job, you're just doing it for the money. So does that make you any better? No. Most of us do things for the money. Some of us, like you and myself, we're lucky enough to be passionate about what we do and we love what we do. You would probably be doing surgery for free. I would be training people for free. I have did it for years. Um, we're blessed enough and lucky enough to be able to get... Uh, monetize for what we do but you know hey i will tell you this we're doing this for free <laughs> so you gotta like what you do we do things for free we too. do this for free. yeah we do we love it this is our passion we love it so so anyway. so anyway let's talk about glover's fight that's the glover's fight we fight. want to talk about that fight i watched man 
You're there. I don't know how you do it. Because just knowing Glover a little bit and watching that fight is hard for me. It's like watching Sharon comes in and she's asking me every two seconds, is this good or is this bad? What's happening? Is this? She's asking me like, he's getting choked. And he was in that rear naked choke that looked like it was locked in. I'm like, oh God, I don't even know how you get out of that. And he got out of that. It doesn't, it doesn't worry me as much. I don't like the striking when he gets hit. And the thing that really um, made me happy was, um, um, I think it was a couple reasons. One of them, I think I got him moving to an angle a little bit more. I think that was a big deal, getting out of a certain angle. And we drilled that a lot the whole week before the fight. But to be honest, he has a boxing coach back in, in Connecticut, Fernelli, um, and he's fucking amazing. And I think a lot of this has to do with his boxing. On the bad side of that, always working with Fernelli, who's only a boxing coach, he only threw that one kick, which I wanted him to throw more, and it landed pretty good. It and was, I, it was. And I think it could have hurt the guy, but he's not doing as many kicks because he's training with only a boxer. But then again, like I said, Fernelli, his hands, his hands look good. His defense looked fucking good. So it didn't worry me as much because I, I was never in fear of him getting KO'd or really beat up on his feet. Um, with that said, um, when it did hit the ground, um, I wasn't as worried because, I don't know, I just have so much confidence in Glover on the ground. And any any. He wasn't able to sustain attack like I wanted him to, but I think his opponent um, might have had something to do with that. But he was able to defend. I mean, they both got caught in some chokes and guillotines, and they were both able to get out. Um, but I think Glover's reversals, control on the bottom, uh, on top, and I think stand-up, especially when he came back with that left hook over and over, I think that's what won in the fight. I don't think it was even a should have been a split decision, but it was definitely a close decision. It was a close decision. Yeah, I didn't think it was a split decision. But, um, man, he showed a lot of skills. Yeah, Standing he just, up on yeah. the ground. And it, when a fight goes this long, you get to see, you get to see how somebody And fights. his conditioning was off the hook. You know I give his conditioning his... Uh, his uh, I give the kudos to him for his conditioning. I was just going to say, who are you going to give it to? It's him. Yeah, he's a fucking conditioning guy. Just like Court McGee is. He didn't look tired. Three, they, three brutal rounds. Really, really brutal. They were fucking, they were grinding rounds. Standing up and on the ground. They were grinding rounds. You're never going to hear a boo at one of these fights. And, and you didn't hear any boos here. His opponent, uh, Krylov, fucking tough kid. Young guy, 27. Oh my God, he's such a nice guy too. They were so <laughs> respectful to each other. The only thing that I talked to his coach, his coach was typical uh, uh, Russian, you know, and we were in the workout room, and I didn't know it was his coach, uh, and I was dancing. I was playing one of my favorite new songs, and uh, uh, so I was doing some dance moves while I was working out, and he like walked by me, he goes, you like dance, huh? Or, you know, his, that was his, uh, that was my Russian <laughs> accent. Russian? But uh, he was a, they were nothing but respect before, during, and after the fight. After the fight, him and Glover had a, some talks at the arena, and then back at the uh we went to hung out at the um, at the lounge, the hotel lounge. Nobody went out to an after party. Everybody went back to the lounge. I mean, cow. Well, cowboy didn't go. Cow. I think cowboy hung out with his family, but uh, but his opponent was there. Gaethje was there. Krylov was there. Glover was there. Um, a bunch of the fighters were there. 
Um, and it was it was a great time. It was a really fun time in that lounge. That lounge was packed. That was like a Marriott hotel, and the lounge was fucking packed. I don't think it's ever been that packed, but it was a lot of fun. So he's got three wins in 2019, man. He's he's doing well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe and he's having his birthday soon. Might be one more. Might so, might take one more fight. So we'll see about that. But yeah, great great fights. Um, yeah, I think I think I think he said he wanted to fight till he's fifty. Yeah. Did he say that? Uh, he better not. He's not yeah. <laughs> was that him? Maybe that was someone else. No. no, but it was a good fight. Um, like I said, he dominated on the feet, and then. Where he thought he would dominate even more on the ground, he didn't. Because uh, I think he un underestimated this guy a little bit, and he got caught, uh, and then was able to get out of everything. He was never really, like, almost tapped. He did get caught in some tight things, but he never almost was he never No, but I just, he locked that choke in, and yeah. I was like, I it yeah. seems like when you see that, it looks like that always ends. Like yeah, like, a lot of guys that couldn't do jitsu, and I, I, I would, I would advise the beginners and you guys in the street, um, when they get mounted, their mount is so superior and it's so advanced. The top guy sometimes the only way to escape that mount for the the top level jujitsu guys is to turn and give up their back and then slide out the back door. Sometimes you leave an arm hanging, you're gonna get arm barred like. Uh, Glover did almost armbar him at one point, and he said he felt his arm pop. So I think Krylov might have a, a might have popped a tendon or something, but he he's too tough to show it. But sometimes you slide out the back door, right, and you want to make sure you keep your limbs in. But uh, Glover was able to do that, and 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 he was just he was he was I thought he looked phenomenal, and I was really proud of him. So much class, so much heart. Uh, it was a great fight. Um, and then we'll talk about, uh, let's talk about the, uh... Let's talk about Michelle. Michelle, okay. Ferreira, or however you say his name. First of all, Michelle. Trist Tristan Connolly. Tristan Connolly, Michelle, everybody. First of all, he came alone. Let me just tell you that. Michelle came to Canada from Brazil alone. No trainer. You know, usually people travel with their entourage. Glover comes with a couple people, then I show up, and then we have an entourage there. And it, we train him. From Tuesday till Saturday, then he fights on Saturday. Michelle came alone. He didn't have anybody to work with him. So his working out consisted of him going into the workout room and doing some backflips and shit. He didn't, he didn't make weight. He missed weight by one pound because he didn't have a coach there to help him. And Glover didn't know this because uh, Glover and, and, uh, and uh, Junior were hanging out a lot. But he wasn't really hanging out with Michelle enough, a, a lot. But then he went, that one day, after the weigh-in, um, Glover found out he didn't have a corner there or a trainer. There was a mix-up or something back in Brazil. So the guy couldn't get his visa or something. So um, Glover helped Michelle and got him somebody to work his corner and shit. But by then, it was like he hadn't, like, I don't know, that final week or five days before the fight, there's a lot, I mean, a lot goes into that. And, um, and, um, I don't know, Michelle, the way he warmed up, like, we're, everybody's warming up, going over techniques, that's really, it's dictated by the trainer, we're like, make, getting their heart rate up, getting them warmed up, and it's, it's a process. It really is. But Michelle, or Michelle, 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 
All he was doing was doing backflips. Then him in his corner were practicing their walkout dance routine. <laughs> and they were doing that the whole time in the dressing room. He's doing like backflip, backflip, backflip. And I think he just, I think he, I think he underestimated how fatigued you get when you do a backflip. I think, so that fight, if you didn't see it, was ridiculous. Well, apparently it took him six minutes to walk out to the cage because he was dancing. But the fight, he was jumping off the cage. He did like a cartwheel into a backflip attack. He did another back, his opponent was down and he tried to do a backflip onto him. It was just the craziest display of, like, exertion of energy that didn't go anywhere. Yeah. But if he would have landed something, like a backflip into a heel kick or something, it would have been a highlight reel thing for the rest of his life. Yeah. But he didn't. So yeah. he, he tired himself out and ended up He did. He tired himself decision. out. But I got to say, if he didn't, everybody, all the haters, yeah, this guy is doing all the showboating, he tired himself out. Those are the same people that if he showboated and then knocked the guy out, they'd be like... This guy is phenomenal. Oh my <laughs> right, god, he has exactly. the best backflip into a kid. <laughs> but then, if because it didn't work, right. everybody's fucking all over his case. If but it did I could see. So he's the other extreme of a pure wrestler that you know people are wrestling and the crowd starts booing. Yeah. Even though there's wrestling going on, this is the opposite. He's. I think he's trying to appeal to just just a spectacle like come out and just do something amazing yeah and I, uh, I thought it was interesting it didn't work but I thought it was interesting I think it, I think it was I kind of want to see him fight again after that yeah <laughs> just definitely. To see what he does it's just it's craziness he kept ju- he's running he's running he's around chasing the, ring. the guy running off the cage bouncing off the cage or or like like he was surfing like he was hitting the lip off a off the cage then he would do a, a, a yeah he would do like a somersault and he'd do a fucking cartwheel backflips um, but I truly think he learned something from that. I mean, he's, he's, he's a new guy. Well, you he's, see the new guys too. Advice. Well, Johnny Walker, after he wins, he does these crazy and he celebrations. And dislocated and his, his shoulder. shoulder's apparently still injured from that when he dislocated his shoulder. He's still having problems. I think he's got a fight booked, maybe in Madison Square Garden or somewhere. I think he's got a big fight booked, but I heard that his shoulder's still messed up, so... So he's a, at least he was doing it after the fight. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Michelle, right? Yeah. Now, it just stinks that he came alone because they pay for all the travel, right? The yeah. UFC yeah. Pays he for just, he just couldn't find someone, or the guy couldn't get his visa or some. But Glover helped him out. Glover is like the mentor to these guys. That's great. Yeah, the Brazilian guys like uh, like Junior and, and Michelle. I think there's one other one, and they all just hang around with Glover. Oh, the heavyweight. What's the heavyweight's name? Who won? I mean, they, they look at Glover. Oh, it was on the undercard, I guess. But they look at Glover like he's a mentor. He's like, they look up to Glover, and he's such a good spokesman and a good mentor for them. I mean, he's like, he gives them the hard truths, and he fucking, he'll direct them and shit like that. He'll look out for them. Like I said, he, he found Michelle, that guy. He found him some guys to work his corner and shit, and it's like, Glover's just such an unbelievable human, and and another fight I want to talk about real quick was uh, uh, Antonio, who fought Uriah Hall. And that was a really close fight. Um, uh, you know, Carlos Antonio Jr. Um, and Uriah Hall. Close fight, I think. I could have gone either way. Um, I think it was all about the ground and the control for, uh, for uh, Jr. And then Uriah was the striking. And I guess there was a little more striking than... Uh, grappling. I, I didn't really see the whole fight because I was warming. Uh, where does he? Do you know where he trains? 
Yeah, he trains at ATT. So and who was it on the corner yelling instructions to him? To who? To Uriah. Uh, that would be uh, Clayton and, yeah, one other guy that I don't you know. Could, you could hear him the whole fight. Yeah, his, his He's guy. He's really loud. It wasn't Clayton, I don't think. Then Clayton's pretty quiet. The thing I have in common with Clayton is we're both on the Army boxing team. So we always, and we're almost the same age. So every time we get together in a fight, we get to talk about boxing. Uriah Hall was like sitting in the restaurant, and me and uh, Clayton were talking about boxing, boxing, all this shit. He goes, man, if I got to hear about this fucking army boxing one more time, man. That's all you guys talk about, army boxing. So anyway, we talk a lot about army boxing. Uriah Hall is an incredible athlete, and um, he's living in Vegas now. He's from New York. Uh, but he's living in Vegas to be a little closer to everything. And uh, a lot of these guys that live in Vegas now, they get to train for free at the uh, Performance Institute, and that really helps a lot of guys out. They also help them out with their diet. They even they even have some of those pre you know pre cooked and pre you know pre um, portioned meals. So that really helps a lot of the fighters out in the weight cutting. Glover made his weight with no problem. And when I say no problem, it's fucking. It was mur. I'm sure it was. Uh, oh, it's got to be torture. It's got to be torture, torture for it's him. But, but you sent me a picture of him in like a mobile sauna or something. Oh Some my kind God. of personal sauna with your head sticking yeah. out. That looks like that looks like a that's torture really, device. That is, and that's really helpful that the UFC does that. Does it just they bring fill up in, with sweat in the bottom of it. Oh my God! Yeah, it's like they, a hose coming out of that thing. Terrible. But then we also the the UFC also brings in people to you know the. The athlete uh, helpers and and you know the there was they brought them in. Uh, this time they there's there's a group from Canada, a group in Asia. So they they're contractors, but they work when the UFC goes there. Nicest bunch of guys helping. So they actually brought us to a sauna the day before weigh in, and it was a local gym, and and we got to you know Glover got to do the sauna there, and then when he's back, he got to use that portable sauna, but. It's it's such a it's such a professionally set up thing, and like I said, but like I said last the the week before that when I did Bellator, they're I mean they're pretty fucking professional as well. This I mean they take care of the fighters pretty damn well at both both organizations. I think that UFC is just a little higher end because they make a little more for the fighters, and it just seems like there's a little more uh, stuff for the fighters at the UFC's behind the scenes. All right, before I gotta go. What's next for Glover, man? Does he know? What, do you, uh, what would you like to see next for him? Um, I'd like to see him take the rest of the year off. We are going to Vegas, uh, Hawaii in November for some black belt testing. Is he He's, coming? Yeah, it's just... Let me... Glover's gym is doing so well. He has a gym in Connecticut, Dinesbury, Connecticut, and it's Texera uh, Martial Arts and Fitness. It's doing so well. He has so many students, and it's it's run like a family. I mean... A bunch of them came out to his fight. I mean, little kids, older guys. We had a plumber there, a lawyer there, um, you know, some of his friends. And it's such a it's such a feel, family feel. They do like sparring on Fridays, then they barbecue and drink beer right there at the gym. And it's such a family feel. And uh, and a couple of the guys are fighting. Bellator, I think he has one guy that might be going to the UFC. So he trains fighters like I used to. But then he runs a regular gym with kids' classes, fitness classes, etc. And it's a family feel. And uh, Ramsey Nijam is now doing that in, in Salt Lake City. He has a, 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 the pit Salt Lake City. And he has a fight team that he just went, four of his guys fought. I think three of them won. 
So he's like training fighters, and he also does women's self-defense seminars, kids' classes, adult Hawaiian Kempo classes, and it's like a family gym, you know? So, like, but they're still fighting, and to be honest, like, Glover and Ramsey were kind of going down in their career where they were kind of like, eh, I don't know if I want to fight anymore. So they opened up these gyms, but then all of a sudden they got a resurgence in their fighting, and now they're doing both. They must be busy as shit. So you think he'll be fighting this early next year? Hopefully. They offered him something sooner. I hope he doesn't take it, but if he does, I'll be there. Cool. All right, man. Good. Anyway, good guys, deal. thanks for coming. Please subscribe, and please... Tell everybody about this podcast because, as you just saw, it's the best podcast in the world. What do we got sure. coming up? We got, you're, I don't know. You're leaving. You got a fight? I got a fight at, uh, my next fight's going to be Bellator. And that's going to be, I don't know, the 28th, I think. It's going to be the one in, uh, it's going to be in, um, in the f Fabulous Forum in L.A. And then, boom, I'm going to Vegas for the PFL Million Dollar Tournament with Ramsey Nijam. This weekend, there's some USC fights. Oh, that's a good fight. Rodriguez against... Uh, this is in Mexico. Stevenson. Why do they have so many fights in Mexico it's City? in Mexico City. Oh, my God. German I don't understand Stevens. that. That means, they have to, that means they have to go over like two weeks in advance just to maybe get, get accumulated or altitude-aided. Acclimated. Acclimated. To the but it's altitude. Um, like, man, remember, remember King of Velasquez? He just... He went over like 10 days early, but the, 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 he's never really gassed out, but the altitude got to him. So I don't know. I don't like it there, but whatever. All right, guys. All right. Thanks for coming. Till next time.